To the one and only world's famous official bullshit free cult podcast, the only place in the world, online, anywhere where you can get all things cults, anything fit to talk about about the Indianapolis cults. But here you get it 100% with no coach speak, no PR, no spin, no political correctness, and as always and most importantly, with no motherfucking bullshit like you get every place else. Again, I'm your host, Harkon Ajala. I appreciate you all being here. And we're going to jump right into this because we got to talk about what lessons do the Colts need to take from the Brady and the Bucks Super Bowl win. But before we do that, let me ask you really quickly what I ask you every week. Y'all know this is a labor of love for real Colts fans who want the real shit not the shield shit. So let me ask you right now to take your cool-ass little finger and smash that like button, smash the thumbs up below this video or podcast, and help us out. That helps the algorithm to show our video to more Colts-hungry fans, and that helps us all. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you share this video with any Colts or NFL fans that you know. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And last but not least, uh, it takes a lot of hard work and time to do this, but we do it for you. If you appreciate what we're giving you, if you're getting value from it and enjoying it, please take a second now to hit one of the three donut, but donate, not donut, donate buttons below. There are three different ways you can donate and give us whatever you can. $20, $10, $5, even $1 helps us to make more and more of the kind of content that you love about our beloved Indianapolis Colts. All right, I appreciate you doing that. So let's jump the fuck right into it now, all right? Now, the first lesson we got to take from Brady and the Bucks Super Bowl win and the playoffs in general, and this might seem like a no-brainer, but it still bears repeating here because it was borne out more than ever before if you look at these playoffs. Every team that made the playoffs, if you throw out the Washington football team, which you know, as a, I don't know, what are they, 7-9? They really should have never been in the playoffs. But, you know, whatever, that division is so trash. And, you know, they added the extra spot, so they got in. But if you look at all the teams that made the playoffs, every single one of them had a franchise quarterback. They had a quarterback that fell somewhere on the quarterback continuum from franchise to elite-level quarterback. At the very least, you got to have a franchise guy. And we all know what franchise means. But but think about it. You had Russell Wilson. You had Jared Goff. I mean, he's on the fringes, but still, he's a guy we would have to consider a franchise quarterback. You had Aaron Rodgers, obviously. You had Drew Brees. You had Tom Brady. In the AFC, you had Phillip Rivers. Yeah, on the downside of his career, but undoubtedly a franchise quarterback, and he, he made that clear. Even last year, a future Hall of Famer, you had Josh Allen. You had Lamar Jackson. You had 
the dude up in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield. Now, those two I have questions about, but I'll, we'll talk about that later. You get what I'm saying. You had big men, at least a former franchise quarterback, Super Bowl winner. You had Ryan Tannehill. And then, of course, you had Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't know if I left somebody out, left some team out. I think I got them all. But if I forgot a team, think about who their quarterback is. You can put it in the comments below if I forgot a team. Put down their quarterback. It's going to be the same. It's going to be consistent. The deal is, the, the days of winning a fucking Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer have long passed us. They have long passed us. I mean, maybe one out of a hundred times, maybe one out of 300 times, you might be able to pull that off if you have an otherworldly defense like that Ravens team did. But let's be honest, that Ravens team also came along at a great time where they just happened to catch the right teams in order to make their way there. And then besides that, we also have to remember that the rules had not changed to what they are now. The rules are so heavily slanted favoring the offense because that's what fans want to see. That if you're a franchise quarterback now, you can pretty much carve up almost any other team if given the opportunity to do so. Even a decent quarterback gives you a chance to win a game now because the rules are so slanted towards offense. Think about it. Go back over the last year or two. Look at how many times, I don't give a fuck what game you're watching. You have a team up 15 points in the second quarter. You switch off the TV or your phone or wherever you're watching it. You go back in the fourth quarter, that fucking game is going to be close, tied, or the other team might have even moved into the lead. The fact is, once a team kind of is like, okay, we got to start passing now, we got to pull out all the stops, going forward on fourth down, whatever we got to do to try to catch up, the changes in the rules have made it extremely difficult for any team. I don't give a fuck how great your defense is to really stop teams from scoring. So if you have a franchise quarterback, an elite quarterback in particular, you have one of the GOATs, you're going to be able to stay in and get back into any game and have a shot to win any game, going up to and including the Super Bowl. you got to have a franchise-level quarterback, period end of story. So what does that mean for the Colts? That means if you watch the last two podcast videos or listen to the last two podcasts, and if you haven't, I suggest you go listen to them where I'm talking about the four options that the Colts have at attaining their quarterback in 2021. If you haven't watched or listened to those, go back and check them out. But let me just tell you, that's why I said that I think the worst option you could do is to go with a kind of stopgap quarterback for the next year or two while you look for your quarterback of the future. Because the simple fact of the matter is you just bring in a basic veteran, you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere. It's really just kind of throwing away a year. If I was a team, you know, I draft a guy, I'm fucking playing him. I, if he's a young guy, I don't give a fuck. I'm playing him. You may as well either find out what they have get them the training and experience they need in order for them to take the step up to being a franchise quarterback or move the fuck on. Go back. Let's think about the New England Patriots last year. They brought in Cam Newton for a year just to see what happened, try to hold the fort. That was a wasted year. They may as well play Jared Stidham or whatever that guy's name is to find out what they had. And if you didn't have anything, just get a higher draft pick 
so you can have a shot. They'd have a shot maybe at drafting their quarterback of the future. It's a waste of time to, you know, have these placeholder guys now because you're not going anywhere, not even to the playoffs, really, unless you have a franchise QB. So how does that inform the Colts what they need to do next year? They got to basically do what they can to either find a franchise QB and bring one in, trade for one. If you think you can find one on the free agent market that somebody's missed, go that route or go in the fucking draft and try to draft one. But you've got to have one. I mean, that may sound like a duh, like, okay, everybody knows that, but it bears repeating here. We've seen this played out as clearly as it can be. You must have a franchise-level QB to have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. And if you're not going to have a shot at winning the Super Bowl, unless you're a team that hadn't made the playoffs in 15 years, like the Browns or somebody, I don't see why you even bother going to the playoffs. You feel me? I'd rather have a better draft pick. Now, lesson number two. Lesson number two is why I started first with lesson number one that might have seemed like a no-brainer. Because lesson number two is kind of the counterpoint to lesson number one. And this is what you could see if you we especially looked at the Super Bowl. Lesson number two is even if you have an elite quarterback, we, we get you got to have a franchise-level quarterback. You want to have an elite arcade numbers video game style quarterback like Patrick Mahomes if you can. You absolutely do. But even if you have that guy, having a complete team is still a must. You look at that Super Bowl. You look at that Super Bowl. The simple reason that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won that Super Bowl. Y'all can talk all that Brady's the goat shit that you want to. That win had nothing to do directly with Tom Brady other than maybe you want to talk about his intangibles his leadership the fact maybe he inspires and infuses the other guys with confidence and a belief they're going to win all that shit's fine I heard he text out 11 p.m. every night we will win and that's all fine and great people like to get tied up in that shit the simple fact of the matter is I'm sure he did that in all the Super Bowls he lost too that shit can help, but it ain't the main thing. The simple fact of the matter is the reason the Bucks won that Super Bowl is because they had the more complete team, particularly, and this is important, particularly in the trenches. You got to have a strong offensive line, a strong defensive line. You need a competent running game, and you need a good pass rush. A good pass rush, preferably a pass rush that can get there with four guys so you don't have to bring extra pressure. Why? Because whether you have the video game elite does shit out of your mind quarterback, even if you just have the franchise guy, having a complete team gives you the best chance at winning the game in the playoffs. And that includes the Super Bowl. Because, look, I don't give a fuck. Like I said, we can talk about the Tom Brady is the GOAT debate. I'm going to do a whole separate podcast on that. You can believe that or not believe it, whatever. And, you know, in my opinion, leaning on how many championships somebody has won to say whether they're the GOAT or not 
I get that a lot of people like to take it into account, and I understand how it can fit in there, but just logically, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But look, if you had eyes, and you watched that Super Bowl, I don't give a fuck if you're Tom Brady's father, okay? It was clear to anybody that had eyes that Patrick Mahomes is on a whole different realm as a quarterback than Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes simply did shit in that Super Bowl that Tom Brady's never been able to do, never will be able to do, can't dream of being able to do. Exhibit A, I give you the now famous horizontal pass that should have been a touchdown. I mean, that shit looked like some CGI shit from an Avengers movie. I don't know how the fuck Mahomes got the ball there on that throw on target. I mean, I had to watch it 10 times. You need to go watch it for yourself if you haven't seen it. Either way, my point is this. Mahomes is the best quarterback individually to ever play the game. Only three years in. Only three years in. When he's got six years of experience reading defenses and shit, it's run, I mean, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But my point is, the Tampa Bay Bucks were still able to win that game. Why? Because their team was more complete. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, they were missing, I think, four of their starting offensive linemen. They were missing both of their starting offensive tackles. That is a prescription for failure, even when you got Pat Mahomes, if you're playing a complete team. The Bucks were able to overwhelm the backups on the offensive line, put Pat Mahomes in constant pressure. He was running around more than I've ever seen before. If he'd been a normal quarterback, the Bucks would have had 10 to 15 sacks in that game. The Bucks used their uh, good defensive line and linebackers. And that's just, you know, a very good one. They used it to overwhelm them. That way they were able to double team number 10, the insane video game Tariq Hill, right? And the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, they have a rookie who's a good running back. Their running game is okay, but it's not something that they really use that is dependable. So they couldn't switch to it when they really needed to in that game. Not being able to, you know, have Mahomes sit back there and pick them apart. So their running game wasn't really reliable. I've always said this whole year that Kansas City's defense was suspect, especially up front. They got virtually no pressure on Tom Brady. They couldn't do anything really with the Bucks running game. So the Bucks wore them down because around Tom Brady, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, I have to say that, when you take everything into account, and I'm not talking about just his wins, but his accuracy, uh, his will to win, all those things that you wrap up into a quarterback, he is one of the greatest of all time without a doubt. He's certainly a franchise elite level quarterback, right? based on his results he's nowhere near the equal of Patrick Mahomes but when you have that guy there and you have a good solid complete team built around him all three phases offense defense special teams you have good coaching which their offensive and defensive game plans were excellent in that Super Bowl perfectly calibrated to go against and at Kansas City's weaknesses and then offset their strengths, that gives you the best chance to win in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl. And so that validates 
and and confirms Ballard's kind of, I guess you have to say, his introductory proclamation that we're not going to just be about one guy. We're not going to just be about the quarterback. Now, he knows, like everybody else, the quarterback's the most important piece, but the quarterback alone will not allow you to win a Super Bowl, period, end of story. So that's the second lesson that has to be taken. The Colts have to learn that. All right. Lesson number three, the Colts must learn, must take from the playoffs and the Brady and the Bucks Super Bowl win is you must have a vicious pass rush. You must have a consistent and vicious, relentless, effective pass rush. You got to have it. You got to have it off the edges. So the simple fact of the matter is if the Bucks didn't have guys that could put real pressure on the Chiefs. Yes, the Chiefs' offensive line was trash. They were missing both offensive tackles. But look, if you have some pedestrian fucking motherfuckers in there who can't take advantage of that, it wouldn't have done them any good. And they would have lost. Okay? you got to have edge rushers. And you need overall pass rush with your front four. I need to make that clear. Anybody can send eight and put pressure on a quarterback. Okay? with blitzes but that opens you up to serious problems and puts you at risk especially if you're playing elite quarterbacks they'll fuck you up on a blitz if they can just recognize that it's coming you've got to be able to get it with four guys yes you need to blitz sometimes bring extra pressure for the most part you've got to have consistent effective pass rush with four guys now for the Colts this is great because they have outstanding pressure up front in the middle from Grover Stewart and the otherworldly DeForest Buckner and I expect both of them to even get better next year if the Colts do what they need to do and get some serious edge rush there the Colts have got to be serious about this if I'm them I'm fucking trying to replace Justin Houston I'm going all out to bring somebody like Shaq Barrett in there. Shaq Barrett's a free agent. He just won the Super Bowl. The Bucks are, you know, in serious, serious salary cap hell. I mean, they, they got real problems. There's no way they can re-sign everybody, and those guys are going to be wanting to get their money now. The Colts have got to find it somewhere. In the draft, is harder, right, because you never know. So, in my opinion, unless an absolute sure thing falls to you at 21... If you still have that pick, which I I don't think it's going to happen, I think they got to go out in that free agent market or trade or whatever. You got to bring a proven pass rusher in there. Hey, if you could have Justin Houston on one side and Shaq Barrett or somebody like that on the other, great. But you got to get a premium pass rusher in there by hook or crook. You put a, a real pass rusher on the edge along with. Uh, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner in the middle, you got something. You got what you need to make a real Super Bowl run. And then I hope Toure comes along, but at this point, the dude's injured all the time, so we've never really had a chance to see him in 16 games really at his peak. But what we do know is, you know, at this point, this is the point for most pass rushers where you're going to see if there's something there or not. So, hey, you're going to have him. Great. Maybe he turns out, but you got to be sure. You got to bring somebody in there that's guaranteed. You got to have that pass rush with only four.
once you do have it, trust me, as badly as Rocket Sin has looked, understand that in the type of defensive scheme that the Colts want to run, the most important thing is that the corners be tough and able to tackle well. That's something you cannot argue Rocket Sin cannot tackle well. He's an excellent tackler, no doubt about it. I'm a big believer you need speed at those corner positions, but hey, whatever. Even if you're replacing him, I'm telling you, he, TJ Carey, whoever you bring in, they're going to look a lot better when you got fucking prep, promise you. So, no bigger lesson. Because when you look at the coach team, they're solid everywhere. They're solid everywhere. They're a complete team. You got to get that pass rush together. Okay, and that brings us to lesson number four. And this is a lesson that's got to be taken to heart by Frank Reich and his whole coaching staff. Uh, particularly his offensive and defensive coordinators. But it starts at the top with Frank. You've got to have excellent situational coaching. Situational coaching in order to win a Super Bowl. Now, Frank Reich is a great coach, X's and O's wise. He's a great motivator. His team loves him. All those things. All that happy horse shit, right? He's got nailed down. He's clearly a genius play designer, no doubt about it. He's a great play caller at times, but he's inconsistent at play calling. But I think he can get better at that. But here's the thing. Where I feel like the Colts coaching staff has left some shit to be desired over the last few years under Frank Reich is in their situational coaching, in their scheming things up based on situations and on adjustments they need to make and on a team-by-team basis. I don't see a lot of times, like, like think about what the Tampa Bay Bucks did to the Kansas City Chiefs. They got fucking torched and blown out of the stadium and embarrassed in their first game by Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving on him in the first quarter. So when they played him again this time, they made a fucking adjustment. They did what I don't understand why more teams don't do when you have these otherworldly players. They fucking doubled Tyreek on every play and said, look, you're not going to beat us with him. You're not going to beat us with him. They kept him doubled. They held down Travis Kelsey to some degree, but they stopped them from beating them with Tyreek Hill. And this is where it just, it boggles the mind. I don't understand why I haven't seen this more from the Colts, especially defensively, as much as I have liked what Eberflus has done. I just don't feel like they come into every game with a plan that is dictated and catered towards the opponent they're about to play. You know, the, the, the players that you can't let kill you, they fucking kill us. Like in the playoff game against the Bills, they fucking let Stephon Diggs kill him. They fucking let Josh Allen get out of the pocket, throw on the run out of the pocket. They let that shit happen. And these are the things you knew going in. If they're going to beat you, they're going to beat you with this. They've got to get better at situational coaching, adjustments, and scheming specifically to take away the other team's biggest strengths and advantages. If they can do those four things, if they can learn those four lessons and address them properly, that's what it's going to take to give them a realistic chance to win the Super Bowl in 2021. Now, you know how I am. If you disagree with anything, any of the four rules I gave, or you think I missed anything, you have something to add, let me know in the comments below. 
Let me know 100% what's on your mind. If you agree or disagree, I'm open to hearing it. I'm interested in hearing it. Like me, if you're a Colts fan, look, we want the motherfuckers to win another Lombardi, right? We want them to go to the Super Bowl and win it next year. So I appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening and watching. Donate if you appreciate what we're doing. I will see you in the next one. I will tell you, dear listener and watcher, like I will say to the Colts players, the Colts front office, the Colts coaches, if they're watching or listening, because I know some of y'all do. As always, let's get serious. Let's learn these lessons. And let's go out and win another fucking Lombardi, baby. Peace. And win another fucking Lombardi, baby. And win another... And win another fucking Lombardi, baby. And win another, and win another fucking Lombardi, baby.